following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of the Two Point Conversation Football Talk for fans by fans right here on the network at bicbp-radio.com. My name is Matt Johnson, one of your hosts, and alongside with me, as always, for our NFL history episodes. And today is a special one. Well, not because of the topic we're talking about, but today is episode number seven hundred of the Two Point Conversation. We made it. Uh, Andrew Lenz, you've been there for, uh, you've been with me for most of the way, my man, how you doing today? I am doing, I'm doing good after recovering from my Oculus panic attack while playing Wait, what happened? L- little anxiety while well, I was what playing happened? that, playing that Vader immortals game. Oh, and I think it was episode two or maybe one. You got to go on like that hovercraft and you got to go over that deep pit. And for some reason, my mind was like, that's a deep pit. You might want to stay. And I had to lift it up real quick. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm right here. I'm in my house. I can do this. And then I went. So I had a mini little anxiety attack over the Oculus. I haven't had time to play it in like a week. But my God, this is like my favorite console right now. It's so cool. I just bought, uh, I just bought the Doctor Who game for me, my wife. She's a big Doctor Who fan. I haven't tried it yet. But it sounds pretty cool, and the Walking Dead game is pretty sweet too. But my favorite is that 2MD virtual football. Yeah, that, that's that's a lot of fun. Yeah. I do like Resident Evil Four. That gets a little bit too intense too. I'm a... I, I yeah, it definitely does. I beat it on so many different consoles and stuff. It's really cool to 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 play it first person. Very like it just it's hard. It's it's really crazy how just in depth and detailed they like they went with it. So yeah. Um, but everybody, we are continuing on with our month of uh, players who have never, ever played in the playoffs. Uh, Andrew gets turned this week, all right, and he decided that we are going to discuss the life and career of a Chicago Bears legend, just NFL, not just Chicago Bears legend, but pro football legend, Dick Butkus, uh, a name that is synonymous with the, uh, with the hard-hitting early day, uh, early modern era days we'll call it that uh the early days of the modern era the super bowl era um of professional football all right uh, my uncle grandfathers uh all talk about him all right they, they always regarded him he's he's very commonly a favorite from that generation like my dad you know that generation grandfather's generation everybody's like dick butkus like hands down one of the best of all time and you know, for me, you didn't get to see him play live, and but you get to read about him. It's uh, it's pretty surreal. It's it, it, this guy was an animal, and to hear that he never made the postseason blows my mind. Never, I, I didn't. I knew the Bears were bad then, but I didn't think it wasn't a time where they didn't make even like the postseason at all i know this is towards the end of Hallis retiring and 
they go into the Jim Dooley and the Abe Gibran, who is a very colorful character of a coach, Abe Gibran, but not so much of a great coach. So I figured they had to have something. You know, you, you draft Gale Sayers and Dick Buckus in the same draft. How do you not make the playoffs? How do you not just get in there at least once? And it was just so amazing. But Dick Buckus, like you said, this is a guy, my father didn't talk too many about older players, but he talked about Dick Buckus and just the violent nature. We can say that he played the game. I'm pretty sure he's the poster boy of what not to do in today's NFL when it comes to hitting somebody, tackling somebody. But the intensity he played with is, I don't think anybody could really match it. I know they say Ray Lewis is up there, but I think Dick Buckus was on a whole nother level. Yeah, you, you get that you get that feeling a lot. Um, you know, again, this is the very physical era too. And um, you know, just very physical era. A lot of the highlights from this era are things that were not that aren't acceptable in the Ray Lewis era and mm-hmm. uh, you know, this modern era of football. It was lawlessness. Defenses were uh, allowed defensive players were allowed to be um, defensive players were allowed to be fearless, uh, ferocious. fearless, ferocious. Yes, exactly. And you got to actually play football. There weren't so many rules. Um, uh, there, there weren't so many rules about, uh, you know, what you can and can't do. Uh, Butkus, the leash was long uh, on a lot of these guys. There was no leash when it came to being a defensive standout player. Uh, back in back in his time and if you like consider it because we're obviously, obviously we're going to run through his career but if you look at his playing career which was not very long if I'm not mistaken right it was like a seven eight year playing career if that um, his era was owned by the Green Bay Packers the Vince Lombardi coach Green Bay Packers Bart Starr and in all these you know all these pieces of course you know he had um, you know these are some obviously very good Chicago Bears teams with, you know, Gail Sayers and Dick Putkus and so many others, but uh, they weren't competing with those Green Bay Packers teams. And there wasn't this wild card system or, uh, or, or really even that. I mean, actually back when they played um, the, the early parts of it, it was just the NFL championship. It was pretty much the top two teams, right? If I'm not mistaken, yeah. uh, a little bit of a, I think it was like the, the Eastern conference champion, and the Western conference champion, they go head to head. And then you get into the play, you know, the, the, the Super Bowl era and, you know, as playoffs become more prominent, which they, there, there was no wild card system. And, and again, they were not finishing ahead of Green Bay. That's just the way it was. Um, if the, the Buck has played a little bit more into the 70s, might be a different story. We may not be talking about him today, but uh, but he did play in a very uh, an era dominated by Packers football that. You know, this is really where Green Bay established themselves as as that as that team at the, at the Bears' expense. Uh, at that, yeah, even with Green Bay, and then you did play a little bit into the seventies. When you get into the seventies, you're talking it's Minnesota, right? Minnesota, Bud Grant, the Purple People Eaters, not not Dick Buckus destroying people every five seconds because he was the epitome of intimidation and trash talking, right? And Mr. Dick Buckus, that he was going to say everything about you. 
that he could come up with the top top of his head and he was out there and he even said he was out there to hurt you right there's no bones about it he was out there to hurt you i think the last player i've heard anybody say that like actually say they were out there to hurt you was was watching james harrison a football life and he actually admitted he was out there to hurt you not for the season but just to get you out for that game yep. he just wanted an interview for that game and i think that was in the same mentality as dick buckus no, for sure. And actually, you know, when you hear things like that, right, you hear about when, you know, the Bears were good and who else was good around them, right? Minnesota's good in the 70s. Uh, you know, Green Bay's good in the 60s. Makes me kind of feel bad for Chicago Bears fans. I mean, when do they really have their era? They like it's this franchise has long been like, I'm not trying to take pot shots or anything, but I mean, the early days, right? The, the very early days of the NFL, maybe. But they've not like in the recent years, like they've never really been like that, that team for a considerable amount of time. Um, like never. I get it. Green Bay is good. Always had for the most part, you know, since for the better part of 30 years now has been really, really good. But it doesn't mean that Chicago can't also be good within the same division. And Chicago has never been close. Or maybe a, a couple NFC North championships here and there. But uh yeah, man, they just they, they never been able to really compete with Green Bay. I think what Green Bay, when you think of Green Bay, you think of the quarterbacks they had. Like when we were doing the Mount Rushmore, it was real simple to come up with three quarterbacks for Green Bay right off the top of your head. You know, Bart Starr, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, boom, boom, boom. And when you think of the Bears, you don't think of quarterbacks. But when you can think of what, what the Bears had – is if you were to make a Mount Rushmore of say middle linebackers, the Bears would be the easiest. Because oh, yeah. you go, because you go, Bill George, Dick Buckus, Mike Singletary, and then you'd go uh, Brian Urlacher. Real easy, easy, easy. So that's quarterback, kind of the quarterback on defense, but they never had that oomph to get what Green Bay has had. Plus two, Green Bay's had. Mike Holmgren, Vince Lombardi, uh, Mike McCarthy didn't do too bad in Green Bay. I he mean, won him a Super Bowl, right? He, he did. So you can't you can't take that away. And then they got Lafleur now. It's, yeah, yeah, it's tough. It's tough being I a mean, Bears fan. Name since Dick a great Bears head coach. You could get. I'd give it to Lovey Smith. I didn't really have a problem with Lovey Smith, but other than that, who has been a great Bears head coach? Yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> right. It, that's, that, that's what it is. And it just adds to it. I mean, how many great Chicago bears players have probably never seen the postseason? Yeah. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. It, it really truly is crazy. But, um, but yeah, back to Dick Butkus. It, it like when you mentioned that he'd never seen the postseason, never played in a playoff game. I was like, there's no way there's absolutely no way. And then you put two and two together, and it's like, wow, Chicago was really bad, really bad, really bad. I I double checked it through Pro Football Reference, so looked up, you know, Dick Buckus's rookie year went all the way through, you know, looked up 1965 Bears. I was like, okay, nothing there, nothing there. 
nothing there, nothing there. And then it got all the way up to when he retired. And I'm like, there's still nothing. Like he just never yet. He's considered uh, a top 10 NFL great player, but he's never touched the postseason. And And we talked about last week. It's never taken away from his legacy though. No, it's never taken away from his legacy. Now, now that I mention that, now that I say that out loud, is it easier for these, these, these playoff list players for it to take away from a quarterback's legacy or uh, is that, is that how it comes off to you at all? Like if a quarterback's never played in the playoffs, which there's very few, um, well, there's not very few, but you know what I mean? There's a lot of the greats have, have been to the playoffs. Um, is it easier to discredit a quarterback for never making the postseason? Yeah, because I think everybody still holds the quarterback at a way higher position than what you would do, say, a middle linebacker. Um, so I know that the age-old saying, you know, defense wins championships, but without a great quarterback, your team is kind of going to fail unless you're something crazy like the 2000 Ravens. You know, and I can't even put the 85 Bears because Jim McMahon is, I think, kind of an underrated, almost rated type of guy in a way. But when you think of a defense that carried a quarterback, you got to go complete defense, 2000 Ravens. And that's where it kind of comes down to. So, yeah, I think the quarterback is put up way higher on a pedestal than anything else. And everybody looks at him. You said last week, wins is not, what is it? A a player stat. It's a team stat. Correct. But when it comes to a quarterback, they're almost treated like a pitcher in baseball. They're going to win you games, lose you games. We People say that about um, good old Tyrod, or I can't even say his name right sometimes. Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor. There you go. That he can't, he's not going to win you a game, but he's not going to lose you a game. So what is he then as a quarterback if we want a quarterback that can win games? And I think that's what it comes down to is when we look at a quarterback way too high of a pedestal sometimes because out of all the sports, football has to be the most team-oriented sport there is where every, where every 11, you know, all 11 men on the field have to be working together, doing their job at one time to accomplish something. Right. Basketball, we can get rid, you can kind of work around that with having, you know, a guy can take over a basketball game. A hockey player can pretty much take over a hockey game almost. Baseball player, hitter, pitcher can take over a game in that aspect. But I think when it comes to football, that is the most hardcore team sport it is because there's just so many working parts with so many players on the field. No, I most, I, I, I can definitely agree with that. Um, all right. Why don't we say we top into, uh, into Mr. Dick Butkus's uh, career, life and career. All right. So Dick Buckus or Richard Marvin Buckus was born December 9th, 1942 in Chicago, Illinois. Very, uh, shy child he's the youngest of eight children um 
parents were immigrants. Father couldn't really speak very good English. So kind of a communication barrier when there, when he was younger as well, but he knew one thing he always wanted to play football. He would go out into the park, you know, <laughs> pretend like he was carrying the football, doing all that stuff that kids can do by themselves. Once again, football is a very hard sport to play by yourself. He ends up going to the university of Illinois where he plays the center linebacker from 1962 to 1964, uh, gets him to the Rose bowl in 1964. And he is like the, the big thing. So 1965 draft rolls around. And as we know, there's two drafts at this point, the NFL draft and the AFL draft. So in the NFL draft, he is selected in the first round with the third pick by the Chicago bears. But in the AFL draft, he gets drafted in the second round with the ninth pick by the Denver Broncos. Hmm. So, yeah, that's a pretty big get for the, for the, I mean, not just Chicago, but the NFL like period, um, you know, obviously this is a very highly touted guy. I know the, the AFL was thrown around some decent money, right? At that time, I, I don't even know. I, I remember the the USFL through major contracts, but I'd be very curious as to what the AFL was uh, was were trying to recruit guys with, um, as far as money goes. Well, the Bears but, were the Bears were offering less money. Bears were offering less money. Interesting. But he's a Chicago guy. Ah, that makes sense. It's you know what? Duh, that makes sense. Chicago, born in Chicago, went to. Uh, University of Illinois. You're a Chicago guy. You gonna go to Denver? Right. I mean, I guess plus at that time too, the the Bears' legacy in football is is a lot more fondly looked upon than Denver, right? You know, it's George Hallis you're gonna go play for, and uh, so I could definitely see, I you know, understand why someone would make that decision. I think they were two years removed from the NFL championship too. Also when yes. they drafted them. Yes. So that, that was a big thing. And we always talk about replacing a legend, how hard it is. Well, he replaced the legendary Chicago bears, middle linebacker, Bill George to the point where Bill George isn't really, is it's still probably top four, but he's not up there as much as the way Des- Dick Buckus was because he does replace him and he just made an in, immediate impact uh, established himself uh ball hawk could catch the ball a lot of guys said that he could not it would take him 10 days to run a marathon but to go to 20 yards from sideline to sideline and back and forth he was probably the quickest player you've ever seen hmm. so <laughs> That was like his his big hit there because he was he was actually kind of bigger than your average linebacker when he came out. It was six three two forty five. We look at six three two forty five right now. We're like, nah. Shit, I wish I weighed two forty five. That's decent size, <laughs> right? Absolutely, absolutely. But he, if you Especially in that him, time, in that time too, sixties, that was pretty massive for a human yeah. being. The the standard size of a of a of a, a male in the sixties, that was probably pretty gigantic. Mm-hmm. 
So against the New York Giants on November 28th, he intercepted a pass, recovered a fumble, and was named Defensive Player of the Week by the AP for the first time of four times in his career. Uh, finished the balloting for the AP Rookie of the Year Award behind Gail Sayers and Ken Willard of the San Francisco 49ers. So once again, defense, offense, as we talked about before. You know, and the sports writer Jack Hand remarking that Buckus would have certainly won if there was a separate award for defenders. He was named first team all pro by AP and was invited to the first of his eight straight Pro Bowls. So immediate right off the bat, monster of a rookie coming out guy is going to be a big name. Uh, 1966 Buckus was named to the second team middle linebacker on the all pro team. And in which he was behind Ray Nitschke of the green Bay Packers. Oof. That's tough. Well, it's when Nitschke was Nitschke. So, right. Uh, Buck has scored his first points of his career, November 9th, 1969, when he tackled Steelers quarterback, Dick Shiner in the end zone for safety. <laughs> so he gets it by a guy by the name of Dick gets it by the name of Dick Shiner. You got Dick. <laughs> <laughs> got Dick Shiner. I hate myself. All right, continue. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, <laughs> was that the first time that Dick tackled Dick? I guess so. This name is just amazing. What? Dick Shiner? Yeah. He also recorded 25 tackles in that game and was recognized as player of the week by the AP. So big win there. That 38 to 7 win for the Bears was the only win of that season. They finished 1 and 13 which was the worst record in franchise history. Buckus' five-year contract had reached the end, so we're looking into like about 1969 here in 1970. And so it five-year contract reached the end. Number of Bears players, including Brooks, expressed interest in being traded or cut by the team. But here we go. We talked about this in the discussion he signed a multi-year extension prior to 1970 to me- remain with the Bears. The, his contract salary was raised from 50000 per year to around 80000 to $100,000 per year. Hmm. Loyalty. I mean, again, his reasoning for just signing with the team out of the gate was admirable enough, you know, and, it, and, and this is long, like, like there was legit city pride, town pride, you know, regional pride when it came to playing for these football teams. So I, I completely get it. It's not like nowadays we get drafted by somebody and then four years later, eh, I don't like the system. I'm out. I'm traded. There was a, there was a, there was a sense of loyalty um, to a lot of these, these squads. And, but yeah, Butkus, you know, they may have been as all shot himself in the foot in the name of loyalty, but, but he's immortalized. I'm sure that man does not pay for a single meal in Chicago. Oh no. And I think he probably the the craziest thing was when I found out too that in '69 worst record like I said they were one in thirteen 
and you think if you're a player on a one or on a team with that with a one and thirteen record, you have no chance for an off season award. This right. guy, he won Defensive Player of the Year that year. So how I would love to see it now. Do you see? Could you put up an argument for Josh Allen of the Jaguars to win <laughs> Defensive Player of the Year? No. Or I mean, an argument, yes, but would it happen? No. Yeah. Um, you're 100 percent right. You're you're 100 percent right. There's been some really good players on on some really bad teams, and they did not get those. You know, they rarely got those honors. Very rarely. You got honored with with one in thirteen. That still amazes me. That they're one in thirteen. Defense is supposed to kind of win you games, and he just uh, and he wins it all. I know he was get mad at the, mad at the offense, big time. Well, that was a, a big thing things. in Chicago for a long time. Even going to eighty five Bears, they were legit like divided. Um, but the defense was like they hated the offense, and the offense always hated the defense. Like. If you read about those 85 bears, it was very, it was like that for a very long time. And it's true. How could you not? You're, you're not helping, you know, you're not helping as far as Dick Butkus goes, you're not helping my career go anywhere. Play better. Yelling at the quarterback, telling, you know, (laughs) you know, go out there, (laughs) do something. You know, you're, we wear Navy jerseys. That guy's wearing white. Throw it to the guy in the Navy jersey, not the white jersey. Like, getting really, really pissed off. Just not happy with anything going on. They said there was a team meeting probably around this time. Coach brought them all in. Was going to talk to him. And Bucket said, can I say a word? And they let him talk. And he said, well, maybe if some of you guys... I'm going to swear. Uh, maybe if some of you guys got your got your heads out of your asses, we could actually do something out there. And they said after that, the meeting was done. Hmm. Just done. Get your head out of your ass. I mean, hey, let's go. It's, uh, let's get down to business, right? Yeah. So despite the Bears being horrible, uh, Buckets did develop a reputation, like we said, as a very fearsome defensive player. He also won Defensive Player of the Year in 1970, and it which and he won the the other defense, the one Defensive Player of the Year award that he did win, other than maybe like the AP, was one that is voted on by the NFL players. So, as much of a guy that he was, maybe intimidated him to doing anything. You know, he he was voted down as defensive player of the year by his peers. Right. Yeah, I see. I seen a couple things where if if the coaches and stuff, if they were ever to start a brand new team, Butkus would be that dude that they would build. They would build around, which is admirable. Yeah, very admirable. Like that's that's saying a lot. Usually, you know, a quarterback. But I guess in the, you know, thinking back to this era, um, is it to build around defensive player, a linebacker? That's that's a huge, huge vote of confidence. 
there's not too many that I would I would build around defensively. No. But he appeared on in the September issue of Sports Illustrated, uh, the cover, with the caption, Most Feared Man in the Game. So he very, very intense. But by the time the 70s ran around, his knee, he did hurt his knee in high school. Didn't really do too much about it. But when you play the style that he played, and you're as feared as he is, people are going to take cheap shots. They're going to chop block you. Yep. They're going to do a lot of stuff. And it's it's kind of funny because I've actually heard a lot of NFL players complain about the head thing. <laughs> I've heard one guy say, hit me in my head. D- just leave my knees alone. <laughs> just leave because I need my knees. Yeah. But you also need your head. But it's one of those things. Uh, so his knees aren't as good as what they used to be, but he is still kind of a destructive force out on the field as well. And this is kind of the decline of him. Uh, he did spark some controversy when he released a stop action, a memoir describing the final week of the 1971 season. The Bears had lost their final five games. The memoir was out of frustration a grievance so he's getting upset about things about everything going on and just not happy with everything that's kind of playing out he's hurting uh he's getting massive injections you know this is an era where i don't think the NFL PA is really in play. And if they are, they're not a major thing. So players are getting, he is definitely getting massive quarter zone shots stuck into his legs weekly just to get him out there. His knee was bone on bone. Ugh. So he really needed that. So no cartilage, no nothing. It's just going together and he's still playing massively and wonderfully. And just giving us heart out. So he did play like through 71 to 73 like that. And early in the first quarter against the Oilers in 1973, Buckus pounced on a fumble in the end zone for the only touchdown of his career. Uh, Houston tight end Mike Aston accused Buckus of, in, of intimidating the officials, which he was known to do. And he grabbed the ball and started yelling, touchdown, touchdown, after which officials looked at each other, shrugged their shoulders, and called it a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, you're going to tell Mike Buck or uh, Dick Buck is no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Good luck with his that. Se- his season was cut short after nine games due to a li- uh, lingering knee injury, which he'd been playing through for years, but was further aggravated after it gave out in week five against the Atlanta Falcons prior to the 1994 season. An orthopedic surgeon told him, I don't know how a man in your shape can play football or why you would even want to. The injury ultimately forced him to retire in May 1974 at the age of 31. Mm. So another young one, another young guy who often gets overlooked just because he's over just a little over the 30 uh, 30 mark, but a lot of people don't talk about Dick Buck because is one of those guys who just kind of, you know, 
I guess he didn't do it willingly. If you know what I no. mean, I guess he wasn't one of those guys who's like, oh, I got my money. I can go. But also, there's also a lot of guys who do that at 30, right? There's some. Andrew Luck kind of did that. Mm-hmm. And uh, now he looks like adult butters. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. NFTs. Yes. Uh, but the thing with Buckus, though, is after that, Hallis, once again, by the famous Mike Dick will quote, uh, throws around nickels like manhole covers, tried to kind of take him out of the deal because there was a no cut no trade clause in his contract and was payable even if there was surgery so dick was suing the bears for like 1.6 million dollars which is huge back in 74 they did settle out of court and everything else but hallis and dick didn't speak or not hallis and buck buckus didn't speak for like two two years or the next five years after that. So, yeah, house is really good at, uh, pissing off his alumni. It seemed Isn't like, it? it seemed like it certainly seemed like it. Cause he, he had few, he, he feud with a lot of people like a, a lot. Well, not, I don't know for sure a lot, but you just hear about some of these big name legends and Hallis had issues with them somehow. Right. Hallis mm-hmm. and Ditka didn't talk to each other for a long time around this time too, in the seventies uh, because of that comment. And, and I'm sure he's had, you know, Hallis had tough relationships with a lot of players over time. It's like, you know, contract is signed. You, you pay the guy just gave you it, you know, gave you his all. And, but, but it does, it, it speaks volumes. It, it just adds on to what Mike Dick, that, that quote that you said from Mike Dick, uh, all those years ago. Yeah. Huge. But, uh, Dick Buckus was just an intimidator. There was an official that did tell a story about Buckus tried to in, intimidate him, uh, you know, he ran up to him yelling and screaming, and he was like, don't you do that with me. Don't you do that with me, Dick. I'll bite your head off. And Buckus said, yeah, and if you do that, you'll have more brains in your stomach than you do in your head. <laughs> so those were those were just some of the things that he, he did. Uh, Charlie Sanders, uh, great tight end for the, for the Detroit Lions, said Dick Buckus once hit him so hard that – uh, he didn't even feel it. Hmm. I, 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 I could see under- that being a thing. Yeah. It, it's, it's, you know, just the biting and the pile, you know, people saying that he would gnaw on their foot. Uh, he had kind of a Mike, weird Michael Jordan motivation. Now Michael Jordan kind of, you know, made up some stories to get him pumped. Dick or Buckus. I don't know why I keep on saying Dicka. Buckus would look over at the sidelines and pick a guy and make up a story that that guy did something to his family. And that's how he would get motivated. And he would get so in the zone and just play with that reckless mentality that off the field, you know, when it came down to the, he had to calm himself down and he didn't even remember half of the stuff he did or said or anything. Landry said one. Landry said one year they were facing him. They had to start a rookie center. 
And Buckus grunted, snorted, trash talk. And the center didn't even block Buckus at all on that first series that he faced him. <laughs> but he said he came, he came off the sidelines and his eyes were like super big. And he was like, he had him intimidated and he didn't even block him yet. He was just all ready to go. Like he just had no idea what was going on with anything. And yeah, that sounds about right. That's funny, actually. That's pretty <laughs> funny. He, his reputation to get him into trouble. There's a player for Detroit named uh, Chuck Hughes. He collapsed on the field and died. I I remember this. I wasn't alive for it, but I remember hearing about this. And uh, a lot of people blame Ditka for it. That there was Ditka or Dick Butkus. Or, I'm sorry, Buckus. <laughs> Why do I keep on saying Ditka? Ditka Buckus. Yeah. <laughs> That Buckus did this. Mm. That he was the one that hit him so hard or something like that that he killed him. But really, Buckus was the one to call over the trainers, get them onto the field for him and everything else to really to really start to kind of, you know, try and save this guy's life for he didn't know what he was doing. Right. I mean, hey, he could, it could be a thing. I mean, Lawrence, I know it's not the same thing, but Lawrence Taylor, he's the one who, you know, destroyed Joe Theismann's leg and waved mm-hmm. over the, you know, the uh, the medical unit. So uh, who really knows? Who really knows of that? Lawrence Taylor won't even watch that. Oh, it's gross. It's absolutely gross. He, 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 it's probably really haunting to him because he wasn't, he wasn't a bad guy. He didn't, well, he didn't mean to be, you know, he, you don't play football the intention of, of really, really, really hurting people. Yeah. So, and Bill George said when he first saw Dicka, he, or, why do I keep on doing that? Saw Buckus. He started <laughs> packing his gear because he knew his days as a, as a bear was done. Buckus is just straight animal. He's a and, man's man. Yeah. And when Deacon Jones calls you a maniac, I think they're, you're 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 cut from a different cloth. When Deacon Jones says that, Deacon Jones has the best little poem. He does. It's so funny. He does the roses are red, violets are blue. You'd keep Buckus away from you if you knew, or from you if you knew it was good for you. <laughs> so great. Even OJ Simpson, probably. I know. Okay, we're gonna put all the other stuff aside. We're going to go to like the page paragraph four of his thing uh, where we talk about football. OJ Simpson, the, probably the greatest running back around this time uh, would look for him. This is the guy that he ran constantly. Didn't seem like he ran with fear, but when he played the bears, he would say, where is he? And he would just look around go, where is he? Because he knew Buckus was just going to demolish him at some point. Yeah. Well, yeah, you got to be, you definitely got to be aware of that. But yeah, OJ, one of the most electric runners of the 60s and you know, 70s. Yeah. Late 60s, early 70s. Late 60s, early 70s. And, uh, you know, looking out for Dick Buckus, that's, that's saying something. That's definitely saying something. Just massive, massive man. Everything awesome about him. No, no doubt. No doubt. Um, so, yeah, a legendary career. He didn't finish up there. He actually became a pretty uh, he became a bit of a celebrity. He made a bunch of appearances in, in movies that you probably heard of. 
All right. Uh, uh, like the longest yard. All right. Uh, Johnny Dangerously. Gremlins 2. Necessary Roughness. Any Given Sunday. And, you know, several other things. He's been a uh, he, he's 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 found ways to stay relevant. Uh, he finished up his career. 119 games played and started with 22 interceptions 100 for 166 yards. Um, 27 fumble recoveries and uh, what that fumble recovery, t- uh, one touchdown, which we mentioned, and a safety. So, um, yeah, Butkus was unbelievable at his position. I can list off all the accolades. I don't, we don't have enough time for that, but uh, this man seen first, first team honors a considerable amount. Honestly, the only, I think, second time, you know, second team one was when he was behind Ray Nitschke, but, uh, and some other stuff. But there's so many different, uh, yeah, so many different voters, Associated Press, Sporting News, all this stuff. And he just first team, first team, first team, first team, all the way to the end. All the way to the end. Um, let's, let's see. He's, yeah, eight time Pro Bowler, first time, or five first team All Pros, four Player of the Week honors. Um, 27 fumble record. Did I mention that 27? No, that wasn't a stats. 27 fumble recoveries and yeah, solid career. Absolutely solid I like, career. I like that. He was named NFL 1960s all decade and NFL 1970s all decade, even though he right, really he was just played like two years, three, all three, 70, 71, three, 72. Yeah. 75th anniversary team, 100th anniversary team. Speaks to him. It speaks to the kind of player he was. And he's got an award named after him in college football. Yeah. So there it is, everybody. There is Dick Butkus in a in a nutshell. Uh, in a nutshell, one of the greatest players uh, to never see postseason action. Next week when we return, we're going to go into the uh, a little bit more modern we're going to talk Joe Thomas, one of the greatest Cleveland Browns players of all time, one of the greatest offensive linemen of all time, and uh, and one of the yeah one of the greatest players to never play in a playoff game as well. So that is it, everybody. Thank you so much for your uh, support. Seven hundred episodes down, uh, a bazillion more to go. Almost. Once we get a, th- a thousand is going to be a big one. Thousand is going to be a big one. I'm excited for that. But thank you so much, everybody. And uh, on behalf of Andrew and I, till next time, the two point conversation is good. Yeah, spot.